Take a knee, take a seat, grab a brew, and listen in. This is the Reorg Podcast. Hi everyone, uh, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Real Podcast. And before I go any further, I'd just like to do a little disclaimer. Um, I only served five years. Of two of that, I was in a tracksuit playing rugby. Uh, I only did one tour and only lasted half of half of the tour because of my injury. So everything I share and I talk through is just my experiences. I'm not a subject matter expert. I am not a battle-hardened veteran. Um, however, I do know many of them, and that's my aim to get them on here and share their views. So anything that I say on here is just of, of what I personally have experienced. Um, that being said, you know, everything that happened was well over 10 years ago. So there are things that, um, things and stories and accounts that I get wrong. Um, and, and like I've mentioned before, we all experience trauma and remember trauma very differently. So on, on that... Uh, I'd just like to shout out to my mate Egg. Um, last week, I mentioned about Keelan helping and treating Susu when he got hit. And I also now remember later that it was also Egg as well. Um, but yeah, I can only apologise if there's things that I get wrong. Um, I'm sure I'll get a lot of military terminology wrong. So if I do, I can only apologise. But trust me, know that I'll get beasted from my mates for getting it wrong. Uh, so this week is... Uh, another good episode it's with my mate Chris Lee or Butterbean as many of us know him um, you know he served in in Nalzab which was you know one of the longest sustained conflicts um, of the Afghan war I think it was 107 consecutive days under contact uh, which was the the longest since the Korean war and he also served with two units uh, one being the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers with myself and then he um, moved to the light dragoons so yeah i hope you enjoy and here we go and we're live uh for another episode of the real podcast uh i'm here with chris lee or as i know him i'm sure everyone else knows him as bean um if you want to just give a little background about yourself where you're from why you joined the army um etc yeah so chris lee um aka butterbean or big bean um come from uh, Rochdale in uh, the northwest, so around Manchester. Um, sort of normal background growing up, um, as every other kid into all sorts, all sorts of wrong and, and what have you. Um, and you know, first love was engineering and stuff like that through through grandparents. Um, so that that's what initially I thought I was going to fall into and do. Um, and leaving school, um, I managed to land an apprenticeship with uh, BAE, so British Aerospace. Uh, and for want of a better, well, the apprenticeship uh, came to an end because uh, cuts, so redundancies, so it was one of those first in, first out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I then had nothing else to fall back onto, and it was like, right, fine. I knew everything that was sort of going on with, with Afghan and, and Iraq at the time, or, well, predominantly Iraq at the time. Um, and that was it. I just thought, you know what, I was into sort of my fitness, playing rugby and, and all the rest of it, so I knew I was quite a sort of robust guy. And I just thought, you know what, Let, let's just give this a shot. And Because there was nothing, from, from where I was in, in Rochdale, there was nothing 
I tried getting jobs um, and starting another apprenticeship as a, a lec, but an electrician, but nothing. So um, I joined in 2004, uh, 2004 mm-hmm. um, and started at ITC at in the January 2005. How old were you when you joined? Uh, so I was 19. 19. Yeah, so 19. You had a year experience in doing it. Yeah. What, what education did you get? Uh, so I didn't do too bad, GCSEs, and then I did a um, couple of years at college. Um, so I, that was one thing that sort of the, to fall at the back of my apprenticeship at BE. They yeah. put me through uh, my engineering, so I got a... Uh, national diploma um, in engineering so mechanical engineering which you know stuck me in some form of good stead now Um, so then you joined battalion where where did you join so yeah so I um, left training uh, so left depot and went out to Belfast so Palace Barracks so I I went out there in the sort of July time um, and it was straight into A Company 2 Platoon um, and yeah and that was it I had sort of hit the ground running really because again I was over sort of I was over 18 mm-hmm. straight out onto patrols mm-hmm. um, and doing the white rock marches so and I can remember it it was one of those where um, out on patrol and um, straight straight out and my platoon sergeant at the time was a guy Andy Clark Clarky OCD to death the <laughs> man had OCD it was horrendous and um it was one of those where I'd caught in everything because we went and did the white rock marches and plastered all over the sun like sort of two three days later it was like the worst riots in in a decade out in Northern Ireland in the in the province and um, I can remember sort of being out on the uh, peace line for sort of thirty six hours um, and it was, oh, it was horrendous because it was it was hot in the summer mm. lads couldn't get out the back of the vehicles and if you were in a snatch it was just like just an oven mm. and uh, yeah so I started my time there in in, in an air company as well which was you know. A lot of good lads and um, you know a lot of lads that progressed and moved on from the air company mm-hmm. uh, moved on into sort of other areas in the in the battalion as well so it was good and it was it was to be fair I hit the ground running um, and it was good for me and you so th- did you then deploy from Northern Ireland or did you move to Cyprus and then deploy to because then yeah you so moved to Cyprus yeah so I, I we, I got to it got to the battalion in the July, uh, and then we moved to Cyprus in the November time. Right. So we moved out to Dekeel in November, and um, we were to take up post as the Theatre Reserve Battalion. Uh-huh. So we'd done a bit of sort of um, pre like beat up training. We'd done some um, pre deployment training and what have you, uh, and then it was sort of in the uh, probably what February March time. Um, I got told right you're gonna go uh, you're either gonna go on the NTO car yeah. or you're gonna go on uh, there's an opportunity for you to go recce platoon yeah. so move across to uh, D company mm-hmm. so I thought oh, well it was D company in uh, Palace it then went to fire support so uh, I weighed everything up and I'd spoken to uh, a few of sort of the lads and what have you that had been in for a while and they'd said look you know go to recce see, see if you like it and I'd always been told and I was this, this thing of you know it's to aspire to be in recce platoon, sort yeah. of like the top, sort of five percent of the regiment. You know, if, get, if you get into recce platoon, it's you know. Yeah. It's I was always elite. too loud and clumsy to ever get in the recce. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of them. I just thought, you know what, do it. So I did the recce carder, uh, finished that at the back end of sort of um, March April, and then Air Company got the call, mm-hmm. um, and it was a call to um, go out to Afghan to do the rip. So uh, the relief in place for um, so sixteen air assault. Yeah. So we so we just tra- backtracking quickly. So you were 
the battalion was a theatre reserve battalion. That was yeah. a role. It was that is basically your stop gapping. Yeah, doing a lot of rips to, yeah. to until or when there's an opportunity comes up, then the theatre reserve battalion goes basically. Yeah, that's what so. It, so I've a so the, a changing tour. So whether it was a Herrick tour, uh, Tosca, or whatever it was, was at the time. Um, yeah, you'd you'd basically go in as a stop gap mm-hmm. so that battalions could then do a relief in place, mm-hmm. do familiarisation patrols, so get their guys out on the ground, uh, and you'd essentially you'd go out there and, and you were stagging on. Yeah, yeah, you were you were sanger bashing, and that's all you were doing for yeah. you know the, the time that you were in there. Oh, that's what we were. That's what you thought. Yeah, that's what, you, were, that's what you thought. Was yeah, that's what we thought. And then your first deployment was. So yeah, we went out to well back in, into Bastion and it was what we thought it would be initially was Sanger bashing um, we got a, a detachment of uh, drums so a gun line went out with us we had two mortar decks went out with us um, and we had a, an anti-tank deck as well um, yeah. they went out with us and um, in Bastion and you know what there was nothing there yeah. it was in its infancy at the time you know the the airstrip was non-existent. Yeah. Uh, the were put it, the Wimmicks were going out to peace art wonders in there. Huh? Peace art wasn't no, there. No, there was no there was no <laughs> art, There was no pizza. No nothing. I remember the the, um, like the the only bit of welfare naffy was a naffy, and it was a it was literally one of the tents. Yeah. It was just a tent, and that was it with a couple of tables in there with a bit of gear on it, and that mm-hmm. was it. You know, none of your uh, yeah, none of your pizza or anything like that. PX. <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah, it was in its infancy at the time, and I remember sort of getting into Bastion, thinking, Jesus, this is just like in the middle of nowhere. What what are we doing here? Mm. You know, what are we stacking on? Because looking out in the just plain desert, there was nothing mm. there, and um, we were obviously starting to hear stuff of what was going on um, out in sort of the fobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so up in Sangin, Musakala, and there was a lot of noise uh, in and around sort of the Sangin, Musakala area mm-hmm. in the north of the AO, um, and it was like, mm, you know, getting utterings of certain things, and um, I can remember we'd been in, we'd been sort of in theatre for about a week and a half, two weeks, and uh, I think the guys from Drums Platoon and Mortars got bumped up onto QRF. So just just with the drums, so people see a lot of drums. They have a secondary role as machine gunners. So just, yeah, just so, you, yeah, so yeah. people are, they're not running around with drums. No. They're actually machine gunners. And yeah, so their primary know. role is so sustained fire role, so machine gun platoon. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's their primary role in battalion. And they're, um, they're down as um, drummers second. Yeah, so they, they do all the uh, ceremonial stuff within the regiment. Yeah. But yeah, so drums have got, um, and drums at Mortadet and uh, what have you, they've been put on and noticed to move to go to Nauzad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Gurkha uh, company that were in there at the time, um, and they had a district compound, and the district compound within uh, Nauzad um, was being attacked um, sort of daily, sort of sporadic attacks, where they were getting sort of the old scoot and shoot, but um, it had got to the stage where they were trying to actually um, fight into the compound and get into the compound. Uh, grenades were getting launched over the walls and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So they put a uh, reinforcements up on what was called AMP Hill. AMP Hill was um, it was an old Russian armored division had bulldozed desert mm-hmm. to make a high feature in the mm-hmm. town um, to sit on there yeah. uh, in the seventies. Yeah. So I mean I can remember going into the shrine at the top and there was an old armored. Um, so what was holding like a what was a lintel? Yeah, it was an old Russian gun in there. But yeah, so the the um, 
they got they got called forward the drums were two and um that was it gone six hours later they were they were out on the ground and um we were getting feedback but we were still out on the sangers and it was 12 hours on 12 hours off yeah. and it was so monotonous and it was like you're hearing all this action and so, RAF regiment job like that yeah yeah it was a raf red job and um about about four or five days later we were told right you're going to go in you're going to do a rip with the Gurkha company that are in there mm-hmm. um, and you're going to occupy A&P Hill and then uh, two platoons are going to go down into um, the district compound, the DC, and take take over the uh, the company there. And um, yeah, guys were buzzing. It was like brilliant. We knew what was going on because yeah. we'd, we'd obviously got a lot of um, feedback from... Um, you know the uh, the OC at the time was Major Swift, mm-hmm. so the OC had given us a lot of sort of feedback. We'd had all groups making sure everyone was aware of what was going on, current situation, and lads were buzzing, and it was like brilliant. All everything went into battle prep. The lads were uh, getting everything ready, good to go, bombs and bullets. Man, I've, I've just because being a company and seeing, I just remember seeing pictures. Well, no, I've seen loads of pictures of before you guys got on the. Yeah, there's a, on, on the on the Chinook, just well, if, fucking loading loaded yourselves up with if, loads of ammo. And, if you go on, uh, there's a the video that was put out after Ben Brown yeah. from the BBC. Yeah, I did a piece on it. It was on a YouTube video yeah, that they, they did, and um, you'll see the cot bed. It was my cot bed. This picture of all the ammunition. <laughs> I took the picture, and it was you know they were, we were carrying extra for for the lads up on yeah, MPL. Yeah. So 50, 50 cal rounds. You know, there was all sorts. We were carrying greenies, so the 81 mortar bombs, mm-hmm. just a- anything and everything was just stuffed everywhere. We didn't take any any warm kit, roll mats. We didn't take any sleeping bags. We couldn't fit anything in there. There was nothing. Just water and ammo. Yeah, just, that was it. Water, water and ammo. ammo. Bump, and away we went. And it was, yeah, uh, we sort of stood on the airhead waiting to get the, uh, the Chinooks out and um, got the picture. And I, I was back with two per two. So uh, Nick Groves was the uh, platoon commander, and uh, Adam Backhouse was the Matthew, platoon yeah. sergeant. And it was, do you know what? It, it was good. I was glad to be back with 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 them and yeah. um, going out with them guys. And um, yeah, hit the ground running. Yeah. Literally off the back of the the um, back of the Chinook and bump straight into contact. <laughs> and it was like a probably three four hundred meter uphill yeah. with all the kit just to try and get up onto AMPL and, oh. and bear in mind at the time AMPL was nothing the guys had been uh, trying to fortify the position in trenching tools and what have you trying to dig down and build trenches yeah. uh, to, to sort of form some form of cover for them because yeah. uh, there was nothing up there yeah. and uh, yeah just up there first thing and that was it straight into contact and and how was that for you um, like I, I, I described my first contact in, in the previous episode but how, how was your first contact? What, how did you feel? You just didn't have time to think about it. It's like everything kicks in and, and takes over. And it's just one of those where uh, I think it was probably one of those situations where because of the, the amount of kit we had, we knew what we were going into. Mm-hmm. We knew that it was, you know, that it was kinetic and we knew that there was a lot going on and we knew it was sort of shooting scoots and it was... Um, so, yeah, we, we knew what we were going into. But again, you know just trying to get up that hill to try and help the lads out. We knew mm-hmm. that the drums lads were under under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. um, and they, they had literally had nothing. The mortar lads that were up there were low in, uh, running low on, on um, munitions and uh, so they had nothing. They had hardly yeah. anything as well. Um, so yeah, just to get up there and give the lads what, what they needed yeah, yeah. and that support was, was all we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but 
it was one of those where up there straight into it and and, and now was that ended up being um what was it was that was it 107 or 147 days so it was 100 107 days 147 contacts yeah um in those 107 days so it's thought to be the uh, the longest um defense um since the korean, korean war, war yeah. um but yeah and i mean for me that i i went straight up onto ampl the mm-hmm. other lads went into the compound and like we alluded to before it was we were only supposed to be there for six weeks and um, I can remember this particular day, between the compound, down at the district compound and AMP Hill, there was very little movement. I think the district compound had two Wimmicks and a Snatch down in the mm-hmm. compound. Yeah, so there was so there was very little resource, there was nothing, yeah. there was no. I mean, if anyone's done a tour in Afghan after the year of 2008, yeah, well, you would know that you would never get in a Snatch or a Wimmick, yeah. ever. Because <laughs> it just... You, you, you want to live, really. Yeah. I mean, with body armour, was we were oh, in the old CBS. Yeah. Oh, God, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so we're, in, we're not in the Osprey or anything right. like that. So, yeah, it was in, in that. And um, all it was good for was a pillow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... The uh, the OC at the time had said, you know, six weeks. And um, we did our six-week stint up there. And um, everyone was like, you know, it's got, it's got, to be, got to be told we're getting pulled out of here pretty soon. And the guys, we'd, we'd sort of into a routine, we'd built up the defences, we'd sandbagged what we could and, you know, we'd, we'd made it home, mm-hmm. you know, we'd made a bad, a, mm-hmm. the best of a bad situation and um, you can only piss with a cop you've got, right? Yeah. So you, that's what you do. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we we were told the OC was coming up. So it's like, all right, fine. We knew then something, was, something wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he came up and um, he sort of he had the hard sell and it was guys um i'm not going to sort of i'm not going to make it out to be anything that it, that it's not it's bad news um was, i mean he was a good oc yeah and he was yeah, yeah he was brilliant and he was brilliant and um he was really good and um he was, he was one of those he was fought all for the blokes yeah and uh, and he was and he, he came and he said i'm not going to sugarcoat it i'm not going to say it, it is what it isn't and it, it this is it it's we've got to stay we've mm. been told now we're staying for another six weeks so at this point, lads were like, just what? Another yeah. six weeks? So you're, you're living in trenches, basically. Yeah, we in were. trenches, you're living behind sandbags. Yeah. Dug in. The, yeah. There was there was no 10-man ration packs. Yeah. We were on 24-hour uh, rats, Ooh. so ration packs throughout. You know, it was the old one where the Yorkie bar had bust all over it. Ooh. So, you know, and that's what you were on. And there was, so there was no fresh rations. Uh, we were limited to what water we could have, yeah. so bottled water. Because uh, they couldn't get an, an air, uh, so they couldn't get a drop in um, long enough. And we, we had a, we were getting mortared daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, there was a, there were a Pakistani mortar team, um, and they were, they were pretty good. Mm. They managed to take out one of our mortar, um, mortar decks. Yeah. Um, so they took out the C two site, and they, you know, they, they, it was pretty much that was it. It was defunct. It was gone. And um, yeah, so they were, they were pretty, pretty accurate with what yeah. they were doing. Uh, luckily, uh, we, we managed to get them about two or three weeks later, but um, it was one of those where it was constant, so you couldn't get an airdrop in long enough, or you couldn't get the guys down there to, yeah. to get get a resupply. Yeah. Uh, so there was nothing. There was no mail. So there was no morale. There was no. nothing, and you just had to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, and that was it then. Sort of an extra six weeks, and the guys sort of. It took about two or three days. 
for the guys to come round and sort of get on with it yeah, yeah get on with it mm. and, and that's that's what it was it was just right let's just crack on and let's get it done six weeks down the line um we get a we get, OC came up again yeah, get another <laughs> visit and it was like all right guys um i'm not going to sugarcoat this one um we've now been told we're going to stay for another 12 weeks oh, mate. so it was like hang on do the maths that's six months yeah it's like six months sure we're we getting any hour and hour what are we getting are we, like, what's going on here and it was like yeah another 12 weeks at that point that was the low lowest of the low mm, that was a I really bet. low time for the guys because you know we were we had nothing um and at that point that's when they decided to start rotating the guys um through a and p hill mm-hmm. so the two platoons that were down in the compound they'd rip with us uh, and and what have you I felt so sorry for the guys on the mortar, at mortars and the the guns, so the uh, drums boys, because they, they couldn't, yeah. yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't move anywhere, they couldn't go anywhere. Mm. There was periods where they could do a bit of respite and try and get down to the compound, yeah, um, but very few and far between, yeah. So and that was it. That mentally, it was, uh, it was so destroyed when you, when when the news was brought that we were staying for another twelve weeks, yeah. but it was one of those where you just sort of had to just yeah Crack get on, on with it. it, get on with it, yeah. Um, yeah, because I turned up to the battalion and I joined two platoon A company, and you know I, I only live, you know, to, that's what you go to, and it's yeah. like a company and a platoon that I've just done now's ad, yeah. which is you know plastered all over the news, and for me I was like, oh, but no, very nervous, yeah, like nerve wracking. Um, for that tour, what were your? Did you did you enjoy it? Were there any good bits? What were the best and worst bits from it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the, mentally it was you know it was it was difficult because like you say there was there were there was so much time to think mm-hmm. you know if you weren't if you weren't on stag or whatever because bear in mind we weren't actually doing any offensive operations we weren't putting boots on the ground we weren't actually on patrol we were literally static ground holding and that's what we were there to do mm-hmm. um, and yeah so. All the guys were suffering for a sort of muscle wastage because they weren't getting out and doing anything. There was no means of anything. The guys up on AMP Hill, the, the drums boys, were, were sat there wasting away, mm. you know. And um, yeah, it just wasn't good for, for morale, but it was, we had to do what we had to do. And, and you know, I think um, we, we sort of, we mustered through and we, we got we got through it. But for me, the, the highlight was back end of it and, and we, we got given an opportunity to um, go out and blow a couple of the uh, you know out on the ground reference points and there was the same locations where they would do a, a shoot from mm-hmm. um, and there was a particular compound um, that they would always do a, a shoot from mm-hmm. um, so they decided right we'll put an op in um, we had HCR so we had the household cav up on the on AMP we had um, so two scimitars flanked either side and then the Spartans at the rear at the back of the hill in cover they're, what are they they're, they're different vehicles Spartan yeah so Spartan is a um, it's just a um, like the platoon sergeant's vehicle mm-hmm. so it's at the rear with all the gear he basically um, is a support vehicle mm-hmm. so he's got the weight to pull those vehicles out if, if needs be and recover them and, and what have you um, and it's also casualty extraction because it's got a bigger rear uh, body so yeah, so they were at the back, two scimitars either side, mm-hmm. uh, and thirty mil riding cannons, and those boys weren't afraid to sort of five, uh, six rounds rapid. 
Yeah. And they were brilliant. Similar as a like um, reconnaissance kind of yeah, so tank. Yeah, yeah, so it's formation recce. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a light roll tank, yeah. uh, baby tank. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, and they were brilliant, the lads on there. Uh, we, had, we had, you know, had a right laugh with them and they were, they were a good bunch of boys. Um, but they were up on the, on the hill. Um, they'd come up to sort of give us a bit of support. And um, we put this op in to go and blow uh, the reference points out on the ground. And um, so I don't know if you spoke about ICOM. So yeah. the uh, we used to obviously do the old ICOM chatter of intercepting the Motorola walker talkies yeah. and whatever you were, their interpreter. And I- ICOM is how basically how they talk and um, talk to each other communicate it's a radio um, yeah. and how a, a dicker as it were would yeah. be someone who's spotting and they would icon chat to 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 the other taliban as yeah it yeah so the call signs out on the ground yeah and they talk always talking codes or melons for, you know mortars or whatever they're talking code wouldn't they and um i can remember uh, the interpreter at the time naz had said they know we're on the ground you know we'd gone out onto patrol straight away they knew we'd left the gate mm. and they knew we weren't going a our, our sort of normal route up to AMP Hill, mm-hmm. so they knew that boots were on the ground, and um, we were we were pushing sort of to the east, um, out into the sort of the wadi and into the green zone, and it was a buzz because it was the first time that we'd done anything offensive, yeah, and uh, it was a buzz to sort of finally do something, uh, and I can remember the SF lads or so sustain fire, the drums lads were firing in sort of in particular areas just to sort of keep them at bay keep them at bay mm-hmm. um, and then the um, the mortar boys were putting mortars up into the north just as a feint just to sort of distract them um, and then the HCR lads were, were doing a similar sort of thing and um, yeah engineer boys had gone in with the the, uh, the bar mines and the dems and um, went to bl- blow the compound wall and we, we didn't meet much resistance at all there was no sort of clear engagement no sort mm-hmm. of contact or anything and, uh, but it was good to get out it was just good to be out on the ground yeah, yeah. and doing something yeah. and um, but yeah well, it was one of the first offensive uh, ops for yeah for a while I think yeah it, and it was it was yeah it was one of the first offensive ops that uh, British forces sort of did out in uh, in uh, well especially in Nauzad. yeah but uh, yeah and I was fortunate enough or unfortunate enough that sort of two days later um, two or three days later we pulled out of Nauzad, um my platoon and we went to over to um, Fob Roy up in uh, over in Goresh, uh-huh. and uh, we went to Goresh and we did a um, an op with um, three commando brigade, mm-hmm. and it was to put in a vehicle checkpoint up on the canal um, up in Goresh, and um, at this point, the three commando brigade were then going in to do a rip with A Company, so the A Company guys were then moving back into Bastion six months. Ago pretty much passed um, and um, we were getting ready to go home and two days before we were due to leave uh, to fly back to Bastion and meet the boys mm. um, we were told right there's a section of, of our guys of our platoon that are going to uh, bolster the numbers for the uh, three commando brigade lads and lo and behold it was it was our boys <laughs> and uh, yeah Jay Evo uh, Evo was the um, section commander at the time yeah. And they came in and was like, boys, we're, we're going out on the ground. It was like, brilliant, fantastic. And um, yeah, went up into uh, into Gresh, got dropped in. And um, we literally went and did the outer cordon for the, while well, they were putting the vehicle checkpoint in. Yeah. And uh, we had an engineer call sign, JCB, gone in, dug us a trench 
on the front side of this sort of berm and then on the back side of the berm uh, which was facing the vehicle checkpoint in the road uh, he dug us a shell scrape yeah so in and out I mean boys we'll put the boys in the trench literally within I don't know 10 minutes of us being in there contact bump and it was like and it was close and yeah. it was it, it was in and around and it was like wow right. and then that was when the boys were like look I've got two days left <laughs> two days left you know but it was yeah it was just yeah. one of those things and uh, that was probably a, you know one of the hairy moments or hairier moments yeah. in it but um, yeah got back to Bastion and, and um, to see the boys so it was all good so with, with that you had a lot of contacts was there was there any um, casualties no um, <laughs> so just you may not have thought about it but just just listen to you and I've, I was speaking um, to someone else before um, do you ever look back at that and go wow we were like because for me and you like I would if I was you I'd look when I'm when I'm like 70 yeah right, I'll look back and I'm, I was there I was in a trench just dug in like this is what I went through was actually pretty like that, that tour yeah. itself is. I mean, to, to sort of to get back, um, it, it was it was strangely because at the time um, we were we were getting geared up to get back to uh, back back to Cyprus and have some form of downtime, uh, and we were due to go out to the Falklands to mm-hmm. celebrate the twenty mm-hmm. fifth anniversary yeah. of the Falklands, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like uh, there was a big thing on Sky News and saying, oh, these boys can go down there with the, the Falklands veterans and and hold their own as you know uh, were war fighting and and so and it was so we knew that that was coming and it was like brilliant so it sort of sat in our minds we yeah. knew that we'd obviously been in the thick of it and we'd you know and it's what everyone wants to do in it you train yeah. to fight yeah. and you get put into that situation and it's sink or swim yeah you know and that's what it is uh, fight fight or flight yeah and um, and and that's what that's what it was so and that got put on the back burner we didn't go. Yeah. Going off this tour, you came back. How was that coming back? Did you go straight into um, leave and how much leave? And, and how, how did you find that transition to try and be around other people? Yeah, I think for me, I, I mean, and most blocks would say, even in like the regiment, I, I never really sort of stuck to a group of like, you know, you had your groups, you know, yeah. had your cliques and things like that. Yeah. I was never one for that. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been like, I will, don't get me wrong, I'll get on with anybody yeah. and I'll have a crack and have a laugh with any, anyone and everyone. But I was never in that sort of click and mix and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I never wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But so I'd go on like out on nights out with the lads from drums. I'd go on nights out with the lads from like recce or whatever, yeah. go with the air company boys or, you yeah. know, I'd do whatever. And uh, I never stuck to that, but similar sort of getting back home, um, I just sort of people say you get institutionalised into the army and the, and the way of the way of the art, you know, way of sort of you get institutionalised. I was never that way. Yeah. I come back and my city mates were still my mates. Yeah, yeah. So and oh right, yeah, you, you know, you get asked questions, but it was well, you know, taken at face value, you know, and, yeah. and I didn't really want to. There was nothing really from that tour. There was nothing really sort of to to divulge anywhere. There was no major sort of issues. We didn't yeah. get into any sort of clear contact where we were, you know, all right, we, we sort of, we knew that we'd 
got a lot of guys and we yeah. would, killed quite a few of the Taliban yeah. and whether that was through uh, you know sustained fire whether it was the HCR guys yeah. you know whacking a dicker on a on a motorbike mm -hmm. you know or whatever or the, the motor boys but no one ever saw saw that did they you know no. and um, so there was nothing sort of clear cut um, so yeah coming back into sort of back into the UK and seeing fr friends and family I didn't really feel any sort mm -hmm. of any different apart from I'd done what I trained to do yeah and that was it mm -hmm. you know I'd, I'd done what i trained to do and that yeah. was that was sort of it so come home did the christmas and uh, new year at home with the family and what have you yeah um and then the january time uh, flew back into cyprus thinking life's all rosy i'll <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll enjoy some time on the island what happened next then mate mm. yeah <laughs> bosh so um c company group um were told that they were going to go in to do a rip for the Commando Brigade that were finishing the back end of, of their tour. Yeah. So we obviously did 16 Commando Brigade tour with Nauzad, so it was um, sort of six, seven. Yeah. Uh, we were then gonna go in to do um, the rip for the, um, so it was, was it the Devon and Dorset that were at the time? I think it was, so. Before they changed the rifles. Yeah, 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 for the rifles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the Dunkin' Donut boys, they were in the Devon and Dorsets and we, we went in to do a rip with them before three Commando Brigade came in. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I got told, Recky Platoon as a whole, going to deploy with the C Company Group out to Sangin. So it was sort so of- You were back. Yeah, I was back. <laughs> uh, and there was, a, there was a fair few of us that had volunteered from- um, the, the first hall. Yeah, for the first hall from yeah. Recky Platoon. So there was a fair few, that five- What Herrick was, what Herrick was Nauzad? Uh, so Nauzad was six. Six, and then you went back out on seven? Yeah. Okay. And then how, what was the difference between seven and six? It was a lot more, there was a lot more offensive ops going out on the ground. So there yeah. were boots on the ground, um, you know, sort of, there was more, there were, there were a lot, I mean, they'd up the uh, money, you know, they'd up the sort of, I think they'd gone, put an extra 10,000 troops on the, on the ground. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that was, they'd relinquished some of the stuff down in the south, so in like Garmsia, mm -hmm. uh, that area, they'd sort of, at the time then, they'd, uh, they'd held Lash, Lash Bagar was sort of uh, the, the furthest south that they were going, and they were only doing sort of probing patrols down to the south, and what have you, because they simply couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't hold, hold the ground. Uh, and that's when the US had started to put a lot more numbers into to Helmand itself, because if you remember at the time, I think they were sort of, Kandahar region or Kand mm -hmm. Kandahar province. Yeah. So they were covering the border there. Um, and then they came in to sort of bolster the numbers in, in certain areas uh, and in Bastion as well. And that's when Bastion sort of, because the because US came in, bump, exploded. Huge. You know, the, yeah. the, air, the airstrip was built, you know, everything was there. Um, and that's when Pizza Hut had yeah. arrived. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the back end. Americans bought Pizza is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we, went, we got back in the uh, sort of, February time back into to um, Afghan and um, we were told look you're going straight out to Sangin um, and Sangin was and sort of was, was always in the thick of it yeah. Um, so yeah uh, I can remember at the time every all the boys were getting prepped good to go and I think for me um, I knew what was coming yeah you know and the other guys didn't. Yeah. You know, there was a few of us, there was like four or five of us that had been on the first tour and the other guys didn't. So there was a lot of apprehension. Yeah. And it was sort of, for me, I've, I'm quite laid back and what have you and anyway. So I, and it was one of those where we knew what were coming. And um, 
So just a bit of reassurance for some of the, the younger guys within C Company at the time. Um, the recce guys were sort of pretty well established anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, all pretty sort of decent guys. So um, we flew we flew out um, under dark um, and landed. And we landed into what was just, well, it was just a whirlwind and a storm of hockey and tracer going everywhere. Really? Oh, horrendous, horrendous. So Sangin DC, where we landed, the uh, which the landing zone was later, in. Later became... Fob Jackson. Yes. So the landing, um, so the uh, landing was in inside the wire, mm-hmm. and um, so they managed. They could get. I think you could get three Chinooks in there. Mm-hmm. It was a big old space, a half decent space, yeah. and um, you had guys. So the three Commando Brigade guys. Uh, it was the Dorsets had, had lads chalked up alongside the three Commando Brigade guys, and um, ready to sort of jump on after we jump, jumped off mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember I had a 50 cal barrel on the top of my Bergen and um, it, it was absolutely, it was the winter, still winter months, yeah. it was howling down, oh. pissing down and uh, it was like got off the back and it was quagmire, it was just like, it was the, it was like the sun, yeah. like the, the fucking ground was just boggy, it was horrible oh. and um, they'd come in and all I could hear was medic! Medic straight off the straight off the bat, and I was like, "What?" So I'd managed to sort of get off, and I was sinking into the into the mud, and uh, the lads were all piling off, getting into into cover uh, at the side of the Hesco Bastion, and uh, so all the boys are getting there, managed to get to the side, and oh, you see, it was medic, and um, an underslung had come in, and the uh, the lads on the, that were underneath on the underslung had um, been taken out by oh, the by the cargo thing. netting. Uh, and one of them was underneath, Aww. and it was like fucking brilliant. So then boys are like bearing around, still like we're in contact. So you've got guys up in the sanders that are obviously engaging, um, you know. And it's just like what the fuck have we arrived into here? What's going on? And uh, yeah, boys were like get, getting the burgers off and just went and handballed all the ammo off yeah. to get this boy out from underneath this lad. And um, yeah, got him out. And then the Chinooks had gone by this point. Because it was too, it, they, yeah, couldn't, yeah. Yeah, they couldn't stay, yeah. and um, so that was it. Got the boy out, got him into, um, got him into the med room and what have you, and um, we were put straight out. How was he? Uh, he luckily, he was lucky. He was really lucky. So he fractured pelvis, yeah. um, and a few broken ribs. I mean, the bog probably helped him. Yeah, softened yeah. the blow, <laughs> softened the blow big time. But yeah, so he, he, he got away lightly, really. Yeah, so he broken pelvis and a uh, few ribs and what have you. Yeah. But we uh, we were straight up on out onto the um, the Sangers and that was it. Welcome, welcome to Sangin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welcome to it, and that was it. Um, and do you know what? It was more offensive ops. Mm-hmm. It was out on the ground, and it was it was it was it was a lot more sort of. Uh, war fighting and mm-hmm. it, it was what we wanted to be doing it and, and the lads enjoyed and, and enjoyed that a lot more and this was pretty much before IEDs had yeah. come a main yeah there was nothing so there was no Obama there was no yeah. Valon there was nothing there was nothing on the ground because the threat wasn't there yeah uh, yeah so the threat wasn't so, there so what people don't what people may not realise is you look so IEDs were very much an Iraq thing yeah and then once Iraq started dying down yeah. you, you kind of saw the tactics just been taken over by the Taliban in, in Africa. Yeah. And that became more apparent in, I think, probably Herrick 8. Yeah. Herrick 8 and 9, 9 more to 10. Yeah. So I mean, you guys were actually being able to actually fight. And 
yeah. just be on the ground and not worry about again no, if you come it. into you contact didn't... you don't have to worry about whether you're going to step on a yeah which... and then worrying about secondaries and tertiaries mm. and all the rest mm. of it and yeah that's a whole different ball game yeah. so we, yeah that, that was never that was never in the background yeah um, or you didn't have to carry ECM no <laughs> yeah no that, and that was it that yeah. was another one the other thing you sort of dealt with was uh, potential suicide bombers yeah. uh, and maybe sort of yeah, vehicle ball and stuff, and that was that was about it. I mean, for 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 people like me who've only done the the uh, Obama tours, yeah, that the stuff like you were doing is the stuff we wanted to do. I yeah, mean, it's we, the stuff of yeah, yeah, the stuff of dreams, yeah. as it were. Yeah, um, because it's what you joined and joined to do. And then, how long were you on that tour for? So I did four months out yeah. in um, out in Sangin. So yeah, we sort of did a good few months. Um, just UK forces in there. We had then uh, an op, op silver with the uh, US 82nd Airborne had come in to do a um, op to flush the Taliban sort of north and out of, of Sangin and, and hold the ground. Uh, it was then when they started to build um, these outstations and the, the smaller fobs yeah. for initially ANA and AMP. Yeah. Uh, subsequently, then Afghan National Army and, yeah, and, and Afghan and police. police. Yeah. So they then subsequently put those in, in place. Um, didn't last long. They overrun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was then I think when eight in, in her, on Hurricane that the commando brigade then went back in there to to take those um, fobs. Yeah. And um and then that's when they started to hold the ground there a bit more. Yeah. Um but yeah, so and it was good because you you know working with um US guys a bit different, you know. So and it, and it was something different and it was it was one of those where out on the ground with uh you know different nations I mean their rules of engagement are completely different. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> wild. Just wild. Like, I can remember being sat on a um, vehicle checkpoint back of the Hummer. Um, you know, proper like death, death metal music playing on the background. Yeah, like ACDC yeah, and the Hummer. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, that's what my mate said. I was, yeah. I was texting my mate about it because he was um, he was actually on he was on Herrick Eight. Yeah, um, he's a power lad, and he was with the Yanks, working with the Yanks, and he just said they were just in Hummers with ACDC playing. Yeah, it's like yeah. stereotype. Yeah, yeah, they'd nail it, mate. They'd stick to it. Yeah, get um, some, get some. Yeah, and then after that, you went. You came back and then you deployed on Herrick 10 a couple of years later yeah. and you were in Mus- Musakala, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, um, time had gone to, to London on it and that's when we saw your pretty face. Yeah, and um, I was in Cyprus. Yeah, yeah. and then um, yeah, sort of went out with the regiment, the regiment deployed as a bonner mm-hmm. um, and went out onto Herrick 10 and the recce group were split into two. Yeah. So we had... Um, we were obviously part of the, the North I.O. Mm-hmm. So we had Musakala and Sangin and um, my half of the platoon, we went up to um, Musakala and then John McAuliffe um, and Tony Harris took, yeah. took the uh, the other half of the platoon down to Sangin with the air company group. Yeah. So as I've already done a couple of episodes now um, and obviously our main company and yeah. we got hit pretty bad um, how was that for you seeing not only a company which is where you join yeah. um, but also the recce between your, your lads your so one one thing that was so during the Blitz in World War 2 people in London 
the 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 actual mental health side of things um pe- people in london actually the mental health issues lowered during the blitz because everyone everyone was together yeah. and everyone was going through it together yeah and then people from outside london and were outside the the blitz their mental health went up uh, their issues increased because yeah. they felt outside of what um they couldn't do anything they didn't they they felt kind of sorry for for the people in the blitz when the people actually in the blitz were they were together I'm, I'm not saying for any for a second it was easy for them but what i'm saying is yes. there was there's a sense of togetherness that we'll get it through together like the a stubborn british way of doing it yeah. we'll get it done for you did you feel because you're in musa i'm sure it was a lot of the lads who you know in, in any unit when you see your your unit getting smashed how yeah. how was that for you feeling that uh, i mean for, for me it was and again it's like we said like you said before right place right time mm-hmm. and and you know is it luck i don't know i mean i'd i'd done sort of the the nozod tour and the sanguine tour um you know and so maybe it was your turn to not, yeah, not i don't know yeah it was i'd done a lot of connect stuff in in the second tour on, yeah. on in sanguine and a hell of a lot uh, and we were out on the ground a lot more and, and what have you and then with sort of musa carla um and seeing the air company guys and the, the, the other half of the recce lot um, going through what they were going through was just soul destroying because I mean I can remember um, we'd gone so we were jackal mounted as a recce platoon mm-hmm. um, so we were working off the jackal platform and um, we'd gone up to Fob Edinburgh to do a mate mm-hmm. day so we'd done like two or three days up there as a, to do maintenance on the vehicles and um, we'd get a um, call off of Stevie Flat that uh, who was up there as the colour boy mm-hmm. and um, he'd said lads I need to sit you down and have a word so like alright so sat us down he'd said um, got news from um, Sangin um, we've lost a lad and he's like what and um, and he'd said um, Pat Pat's gone Pat Susu mm. and it was like wow and um, my driver at the time was um, Joe Valenasoro mm-hmm. and Joe and Pat were best mates. Yeah. They'd gone through training together, you know, and Fijian boys, they've got a bond yeah, and it's unbreakable. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it is, and it's just one of those things where, you know, um, they're just sort of down to earth and they, they'll give you the last penny. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> Joe's my driver. And... Um, I was beside himself, and he was. Yeah. It was horrendous to see. And um, for me, the hardest thing was not being there for the boys, you know, and not being there to do anything. You just felt, you felt helpless because mm-hmm. just I was sat in the middle of the desert and it was cush, it was yeah. easy. Yeah. I was doing nothing, yeah. you know. I was sat in, in the middle of this, the nearest town was 15 kilometers away. Nothing was coming my way. Yeah. I was getting no, I was getting nothing. And it was like to sort of get these constant stories and, and that, that to me, I mean, Joe was beside himself for days and days. Yeah. And um, yeah, just debilitating, not being able to, to do anything. Yeah. And if we could have done anything, yeah, you know, you just would have done. Yeah. And it's, whereas when we were there, and obviously Susu, and I've talked about it before, and but when Susu got a hit, um, me and me and Daz last, you know, we went into it quite quite deep, and it's yeah. You 
you know, so you, it was a contact, it was a buzz of the contact and everything like that. And then once you found out Susu got hit and it's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's a soul destroying, it takes it out of you. But then for us, we're, we're we then get back in the fob. You know, you've, we didn't find out until he's gone back to Bastion and we found out actually he's died. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're just, oh, you know, it takes it out of you. But then, you know, we're back on patrol the next day. Got so got to do it for him and you know you, you're back on patrol but so you've just got to kind of you've got to take it out of your mind and, yeah. and it's hard to do um but for you i guess it would have been a different experience because there's the, i guess maybe you it's the maybe because the threat wasn't as high so you you couldn't kind of take it out of your mind because maybe maybe, no. maybe that's sense of us taking it out of our mind made it easier for us to to deal with it yeah um, but I, again I think for for you guys that were down in, in sort of the Sangin uh, area I think it was you know you were getting it daily and you were you guys were out on, and you know your it was for us in the north I mean not to play it down but it was almost like some of the jobs we were doing, some of the taskings we were doing, it was not to be sort of big, it was beneath us, mm. and it really was. Uh, we were a glorified taxi service, yeah. and it frustrated the hell out of me. I'm like, come on, I'm a recce soldier, you know, and I'm being used to drive fucking Padre up to Himalopi mm. to go and visit the boys. I said, I don't want to be doing that. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't train to do that. Mm. You know, if you want to do that, come get come get the uh, the mastiff lads in the uh, the you know yeah. get the, get the logistics boys to, yeah. to move them about, and it but it, and it was it was horrible because we were doing tasks that were beneath us and that was and we could see you guys that, that were you know the cost was well and truly on you. Yeah. Um. It was we wanted to be there. We wanted to help. Yeah. And there was nothing we could do. It was like just yeah debilitating at times because you could see it. And the, the news you were getting and the feedback you were getting, just like, yeah. yeah, it was just it was a bitter pill to swallow for for a lot of us, and especially the lads that had done sort of sanging previously and what have you. Yeah, it was it was it was quite hard to take. Yeah, and from I want to get it from your point of view, and so we finished the tour. A company was. I guess a, a, a unit because we've just been through I guess hell um what was it like i know you are did you find it odd or strange having to integrate back into like was there a stigma about a company on how was how did the battalion see and how did you see a company after that a company's always been like you know i'll always have had the affiliation with a company a company's where i sort of first went as yeah. you know and you always say that you know a company two two yeah. that's that's what i you know mm-hmm. so that's where i started all right yeah. i only did six eight months in, in but it's still it's where i mm-hmm. started out and it's i've always got that affiliation with, with a company and going to now's with their company and, and what have you but that, that getting back to sort of uk after the tour and and sort of losing the seven lads um, from a company group, um, you know, I knew that there was a lot. There was a lot of um, there were open wounds, and I could see that in the guys, mm. you know, and I could see that sort of from an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. you know, and it was 
give the time, give, I don't want to, I didn't want to take anything away from the guys of what they'd done. Hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, blow steam, do what you've got to do. And I would never take that away from anybody. But again, it's, it's either right place, right time, hmm. or, you know, it, it's the card you're dealt. Yeah. You know, and that's the simple fact. You know, I wasn't there. Whether I wanted to be or not, I wasn't there. Yeah. Because that was what was dealt to me at the time. It's what was dealt to you to, to go out and do that. Yeah. And I think there was a sort of, there's no bravado with, with the A Company boys. They'd been through the mill. You yeah. know, they'd been through the mill. You know, they'd had a hard tour. They were, they'd come back, they'd blown off steam. And that was it. I saw it because I'd seen it from within the platoon when when the recce boys from A Company had got back in with mm-hmm. us and integrated back as a platoon, as a one um, there was no real, there was no real divide. No. There wasn't a divide, and it was just, you, you know, the, the score is. I, I've not seen you now for years, yeah. But we pick up where we left off, yeah. And that's just a squatty mentality. Yeah. That is, that is how it's built in you. You know, I don't see people for year, years, years on end, but you just pick up where you left off. Yeah. And again, with the, with the lads that are coming back, there was banter going to and fro, and you know, there was there was nothing sort of. I wouldn't have held anyone, you know, against anyone if something was said like to us, because you know, oh, Slipper City up in Musakala, mm. you did mm. nothing, you know, you were a glorified tactic so yeah. well, I got all that, yeah, and I quite happily, I'd, I'd sit there and take it, yeah, you know, it was just the cards that were, were dealt to me at the time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's not like we didn't do anything like at all. No, we did, you know, we were out, we did ops, we did offensive ops, and we were yeah. busy, you know, we did take casualties, nothing, nothing, you know, to what the A Company boys did. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just yeah. It, for for me, it it was at the time out on tour. Um, yeah, just sitting in Musakala, feeling helpless because you couldn't do anything. Yeah. And that that was the the biggest hit for me was seeing or hearing about lads that I knew and that I'd grown up with my peer group. Um, you know, losing losing the lads yeah. was just yeah, just a just a horrible thing to sort of sitting that can't do anything yeah sense of helplessness I guess yeah and it is yeah and it is and and sort of trying to console um, Joe when Pat was the first one we lost Mm. and um, yeah for that and then it was sort of went went on from there but yeah just feeling like you can't do anything Mm. it was yeah it was pretty pretty hard pretty hard to sort of put into words but yeah you know no malice towards the uh, the air company boys they came back battle hardened and um, you know that that was it. We did the homecoming, and we you know we celebrated um, the lives of the, of the boys, you know, and um, you know we, we made sure that they were well remembered, and yeah. and they'll always be. And and that's the thing is I think it's that thing of probably two three months after we'd got back and we'd started to do the homecoming parades. It was only then that the we were sort of. You, we do, they were split into groups, weren't we? Really, and yeah. we were doing sort of the northwest, uh, Newcastle, yeah. sort of Ashington, all these different homecoming parades all over, and they mixed us all up. Yeah. So we were into sort of A Company boys, C Company boys, you know, all intermixed, and um, it was it was then where you sort of saw the regiment, where it would it would it, it was more together than I'd ever seen it, yeah. you know, and it was yeah. more together than I'd ever seen it, built on the foundations of. What the A Company boys had gone through, you know, and it was that was always that was always there, wasn't it? You know that the the everyone knew that the lads had gone through the Maya and gone through you know a hard time, 
and I think doing those home parades, celebrating um, the the lives of, of the boys and you know and what have you. I think that was the, the main sort of yeah. It, it stuck stuck with me where the regiment did come together as a honour. That tour was like we said was the bloodiest hmm. you know on, on record. Yeah. And you know the guys sort of up in the north with us, the Welsh lads. Um, you know, rifles, rifles, yeah, yeah, rifles got yeah. got knocked, and you know everyone, everyone to the to a man, the, everyone took it, and it was just, yeah. I mean, when the regiment did come back, it was together, it was stronger than than it had ever been, yeah. and um, yeah, just one of those where it was a good place to be, yeah, because you know the lads, operationally there was so much a wealth of experience and knowledge, yeah. you know, because we sort of done the theatre reserve stuff. Um, you know, a few years before, so then to go out on and as a battle group and do a tour, yeah, it was you know, the, the regiment was on a good footing and it was, it was a good place to be, yeah. And then, so not long after, a couple of years after, the regiment got dis- the battalion got disbanded yeah. and got amalgamated with first battalion, so it just became, and then you moved, you transferred, is that where did you transfer to? Yeah, so I'd done. So I, after sort of Herrick, we went up to Germany, did our bit in Germany, and I, um, I got an opportunity to go to ITC um, as an instructor. So I did a stint up there for two, two and a half years. Um, and then that was when the news was brought to me, sort of uh, in the 2013, that the reg- regiment was being disbanded. Mm-hmm. Um, put a triple P in, so posting preference to where you want to go. Um, and it was sort of right look what's about um, and again for me background being recce platoon and always sort of being recce platoon was I didn't want to go armoured so I didn't want to go down and do the first battalion stuff mm. um, and I'd recently um, sort of heard about the light dragoons so light cavalry uh, were re-rolling from scimitar mm-hmm. to jackal coyote platforms mm. um, and I'd had obviously experience on tour yeah. with, with them uh, and background being in recce. So I just thought, well, it's a sort of perfect fit really. Mm-hmm. And they were moving up to Catrick sort of six to 12 months after I'd finished my time at, at ITC. Um, so I, I transferred across with another, so with uh, Kemp, so Jamie Kempster, and uh, we both moved across and started there in sort of 2015 mm. um, with, with, the, with the Light Dragoons. And to be fair, good bunch, really good bunch of guys, um, you know, uh, again, operationally hardened through through Afghan, uh, but in a different role, um, sort of, you know, being on formation recce, so being in the Simit platform. Um, so it was it was a transition period for them as well as me. Uh, mm-hmm. They were transitioning from being in Simit to being in this role. So for me, it was a good it was a good time to move because you were all kind of in the same boat. Yeah, so we, yeah, we're all on the same footing, and and, and it was good. Uh, myself and Kemp's going from a light roll background, so sort of boots on the ground. Um, we went in there as sort of SMEs uh, to light roll recce. SME uh, was subject matter expert. Right. Okay. So yeah, we went in there as an SME for sort of the dismounted side mm-hmm. of stuff, and um, quickly got to grips with stuff with, with them. And you know what? Good bunch of guys, uh, and yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed my time with them. Um, did a few sort of, and the way that the British Army was going at the time uh, was going into sort of more mentoring uh, roles out on um, sort of. I mean, at the time, 
you had Toral that was going up in the north of uh, Af in, in Iraq. Um, so that was going out, sorry, that was in Afghan and then out in Iraq, uh, the mentoring roles that were out there. So we got moved out to Tunis, did some stuff out in Tunisia mm-hmm. uh, and then did some stuff out in Morocco and, and what have you. And it was good to get out and about and see something, and do something different. Yeah. Uh, on that footing but yeah the good bunch of lads really really good yeah one of my good men one of my I think my brother's best mate and uh, one of my good mates uh, Dickie Blaine he yeah. was he was with you and you you you, you knew him there as well yeah Talk so I'd him. come across Dickie I'd met Dickie um, with so with your brother um, he'd do doing an intake at Harrogate at the time and um, I think they'd come up to do um, an event up at, uh, at Catrick so I got wind that they, they were up, up our way. So I went up to see him met, and met Dickie for the first time and just straight away, someone that would put you at ease and, um, you know, really nice guy and just a, just a, a nice block to be around. Yeah, because he was raw Welsh before and then he yeah. got out, got back in. So the reason why I'm bringing up Dickie is last year he was killed in a car crash. Yeah. Um, and Dickie was just one of those blokes that I've met him a handful of times that I went on holiday with him and I've, you know, I consider him one of my, one of my best mates. Yeah. You know, and he was my brother's best mate, and he was that type of guy that you would like. He had he probably had about six or seven people that said he was his best mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's that type of guy he was. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it, it just shows that even after tour and after, because there was no, you know, there was no war last year. He's you know, we're still taking casualties now. and Yeah, and that's the, the toughest part of it is, is we're still sort of, you know, years down the line. The, the amount of guys you hear about that, are, you know, and Dickie was a, it was an accident, it was mm. a, an unfortunate accident. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'd spoke to uh, Robbo, so Steve Robinson, uh, he gave me the call and, and told me about what had happened with Dickie. And um, I was... I was, you know, proper taken back by it, and straight away I'd, I'd sort of give you give your brother a bell and, and ask what had gone on, and so he told me the news, and yeah, just such a nice bloke, you know, and it would make and put you put you at ease straight away, and um, so I remember going to his so his funeral was hard for me, and you know it was hard for a lot of people. Yeah. But it was the first military funeral I've been to yeah. since Afghan and since Bushies. Yeah. And I don't know why, I yeah. just found it super hard. Yeah. And it was just like, oof. And it was, yeah, it was a... Uh... But, I, but I think I think in that in that sense, for, for you at the time as well, with what had gone on with you on tour coming back because of getting injured, mm. um, you, I don't know, fortunate or unfortunate that you you know you were back, um, and you managed to get to to Bushy's funeral. Yeah, that was. You know, we we didn't see that, did we, yeah. when we were out on the ground and back in in uh, in Afghan, and that was a thing. I think for me, Matt, that that moment for me was um, so Lee Rigby. Yeah. Um, Lee's funeral, and that was oh, oh fuck. I, I I I mean, I I remember that day. I was out. I remember that day. Cause cause I'm like. I'm, I'm raging anyways because yeah. it's on the news yeah and then I was just like oh what this is disgusting yeah and then I find out it's rig Lee, Lee. I yeah. was just my mental attitude just changed yeah I, I remember it. it was a Friday and I was leaving work and um at the time and it's Stevie flat again I was yeah. a bearer of bad news and uh, 
and uh, he was the regimental shepherd up at um, ITC yeah. and um, he'd, he'd said Bean I've got some news not good and I said what he said have you heard about this in London so I'd obviously straight away I was like what the fuck so I'd seen this in the news and he was like it's one of our lads and I was like what he was like it's one of our lads and I went how like there's no that's people behind lads are down there that mm. I, you know and that was it then my mind was jogging trying to jog and like who it was and um, he said mate I can't tell you I can't I can't tell you so I said until it's announced until they've told the family um, I can't tell you so I was just like sworn to secret and to be fair to Stevie he didn't say anything mm. but as soon as it released um, I drove from Catrick back home because it was Friday yeah. so I was on my way back home and I got the call on the way home and it was Stevie told me and it was like bump the thing is, the thing is, I felt with that is, yes, it's for for a lot of people that the, the whole aspect of what happened is is horrible and sickening. Yeah. But when you know that person, it changed. Like, because I was sitting there thinking, oh, that what that's horrible that situation. Yeah. But as soon as I found out it was Lee, and I knew that person. Yeah. You just your mindset changes because you're like, Does. fuck, I I know him. He's going through like you're like fuck like. Yeah. I know Lee, like he's going through like what the fuck, and it just that was horrible. It, man. it, it instantly changes, yeah. and it does, and it, it, it was the weirdest thing because I remember sort of getting the call, and uh, you know I, I couldn't compute, I couldn't take it in, I just couldn't. It I, nah, can't be, can't mm. be, can't be, and um, it just I rang. I remember ringing a few of the boys and sort of and same, and it was like, geez. Just can't I can't believe this, and then all the fallout, the, the following sort of yeah. few few days after it, and and like you say, getting back to sort of being in the military funeral. So you like going back to Dicky, and the, the, that was the first one you'd done since Bushy. Mm. For me, it was that was the first. Apart from going down to London to do a memorial service for mm, the, the seven boys, yeah. that was sort of you know. Um, apart from that, and going up to. Uh, Duffstones Reservoir to spread um, etches ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the only sort of ceremonies that like you know um, the, the boys had done, but with Lee's because of the situation it was like you think everyone you know you've gone away on tour you've he's dodged you've dodged the bullet you know so to speak and you know you, you've um. come back un- unscathed and for that to happen in that sort of you know on your own. Back in your own yeah. back door, in your own sort of country, and it was like I just I couldn't I couldn't get computer at all, and it was for me stood there in the uh, in the church at Bury at St Mary's was just like I I I don't think I had a dry eye all the way through it. I just I cried the whole way through, and it just I remember coming out of the church and mum and dad, so it was a local boy, Bury boy, at Brochdale. And I come out of the church and mum down in streams and it's just it was a horrible horrible thing because you just you know the, I think because of the situation because of the way it happened that's what made it worse mm. I could have accepted it if it was out on tour you know it, or, or not accepted it but it would have been more palatable yeah, it would have been a lot more palatable if it was out on tour and it was done you know and it had been done something out on tour or what have you but because of the way it had been done I think that's what just yeah went ran through my mind constant and it was just it was horrible because Lee was a brilliant lad I mean yeah. you know such a funny guy he, he, um, he joined 
a couple of weeks after me, yeah. uh, like within weeks. Yeah, I can always remember a, a sort of thing with Lee was um, so drums between him in. Um, London, they do the ceremonial duties, yeah, yeah. and they were they were busy. Be- they beasted. were yeah, they were hammered, weren't they? Yeah, the yeah. boys were busy, and uh, they got a coach outside B Company and um, Fire Supports lines the, um, in the morning, and it was about probably what five o'clock. Transport was for those boys, mm. and they used to go suiting and booting, mm. didn't they? Pretty much, they were yeah. in the they were in the reds yeah. and uh, and what have you, and the sealskins and that, and they were good to go. And um, every morning, without fail. Um, well, I was the end room in the block on the second floor and um, next to me was Fergie's room and every morning at sort of that time at five Lee would come down and he'd be stood at the tran- at the side of the transport with the bugle blowing the fucking bugle waking the boys up and it, oh, it, would, it would wind us up something chronic and uh, yeah but he was just such a nice lad he used to travel up with us Lee because um, he was in Middleton so yeah. a local boy and uh, yeah but just really really nice guy Mm. And such such a lovely lad, and it's just yeah. At the time, it was yeah. You can't compute. No, you can't, and it's yeah. It's it's a terrible thing, and what's also another terrible thing, and the reason why I've started this podcast is you know in in recent years we've had quite a few lads from the Fusiliers that have taken their own lives. Yeah, and the, one of the more recent one was which kind of was a nail in the coffin for me to, to, to get this going is was when Yogi yeah. um, did, I'll, I'll let you explain more because of the relationship you have with Yogi yes yeah put me on the spot now uh, yeah Yogi was like I when I joined him in Belfast I can remember um, tipping up um, so you go through the airframe and you go into um, it's called Moscow, so they, you know, because you obviously weren't allowed to be seen as as, as British forces. So you're going to uh, ring the bell, Moscow, then you get taken and picked up by MT. So I get dropped at the guard room in Belfast, and there's this tall, scrawny looking lad, and uh, he was like, Right, come with me. And I was, there was only me and one other had tipped up that day, and uh, he said, You're coming down to Air Company. Uh, by the time I'd arrived, it was late on in the evening. So he said, we'll bed you down for the night and um, we'll get you sorted. And I won't tell you what I saw when I walked into the block because it's horrendous because <laughs> Buff was involved. No, God. And, um, but yeah, so I'd bedded down there and he was the one that had sort of took me under his wing. And Yogi was just one of those where he would do anything for anyone. You know, he was just such a such a lovely bloke. And, and I only, I mean, it was... I was um, only with him for sort of eight weeks because he moved from A Company. He'd just done the NCO carder. Um, so he promoted and moved on to B Company. So yeah. so what moved. normally happens is you get you do your NCO carder and you yeah. move on because you can't really yeah, manage your group. mates. Yeah, you can't, yeah, it's, yeah. it's with the peers. And, and, and right, so, so they move you on. So Yogi had promoted, got his lunch jack, hardest to get, easiest to lose. And mm-hmm. Yogi was soon to find out. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Yogi went on to B Company, but I still kept that because he was my... Yeah. And it's that thing, isn't it, where um, first sort of person I'd met in the regiment, mm-hmm. you know, really. Um, and yeah, and he took me under his wing and he was a brilliant guy. You know, he was an absolute hand grenade on the lash, <laughs> but he was a brilliant lad and he'd mm. look after anybody. Yeah. And he'd fight anyone's corner. And um, I can remember resettling, doing my resettlement in the arm, uh, was leaving the Light Dragoons. 
so uh, sort of 2017 and I was at a careers event in Catrick and bumped into Yogi and um, I'd seen him and he looked absolutely fine yeah. he looked brilliant and we you know I'd, I'd crack I'd you know rack and catch up and um, he sort of spoke to me about what he'd been doing sort of going from job to job had not sort of settled um, so he'd come down to the careers event to see what there was available um, so I'd, he'd eyed up certain things so we had a catch up and there was nothing untoward mm-hmm. and there never is really is there it's no. that, that you don't see the hidden scars no, cause people hide it yeah and that's that's the sort of there's you know I think that was the hardest thing for me when I found out um, about Yogi um, I spoke to Glenn Glenn Davis uh, and I spoke to a few others and it was that was another one where it hit me really hard because he was a good you know he was a good boy mm. and he was a good boy and he, he looked after me and um, you don't really see what's going on mm. in the background and you don't see what's going wrong until it's too late mm. and I just think you always feel you, you, you kind of put a little bit of bl- not blame on yourselves no, but you're like what I, could I have done more, more. and I, I think for me that was another thing that I look back on and think did I ask the right questions when I mm. saw him in 2000 mm. when I'd seen him then was he at his lowest ebb I don't know mm. I, and, and I sort of I questioned that and should I have kept in touch with him more yeah. uh, it's, you know what could you have done I don't know uh, it's the answer mm. and I don't think I'll you'll never know no and and I just feel we just need to talk people just need to be talking more um, because that's yeah it's not what it boils down to but I feel if people just talk about things more and look and we're I'm trying to get people out to talk about the times of war the hard stuff yeah so if, if people I want to try and advocate if people can talk about this stuff then we can talk about everything yeah you know if we can talk about the darkest of dark times yeah of, of war and you know losing people and being and then maybe it's not so hard to talk about the issues you're going through now um, and that's the thing there's, a, there's a, that stigma that's attached to it and again with you know British Army infantry with, with it's pack animal it's alpha male mm. and it's so but you know, it needs to be, you need to talk, you need to break down the barrier. And, you know, and I think that's the thing is, looking back on it, that it's not a weakness. It's not at all. You know, now I'm out of the, the, the military and, and I don't see it as a weakness at, at all. If anything, I embrace the fact that, you know, if you've got an issue, tell somebody about it. Yeah. You know, don't bottle it up and, and to the point where it's, you know, you can't change what's going on and don't go into that dark place, you know. And if you are in, that dark place then you know speak to somebody mm. you know and that's the thing is I'm always here and I'm sure that, you know the lads will always rally around there's been incidents incidences in the last sort of 12 18 months yeah. where lads have been in at the lowest ebb and boys have rallied around yeah. you know and they do and, and and they do you know you never break that bond no. you never ever break the bond of, of what you've got as brotherhood whether you've been air company under them under them you know the cosh in Sangin or whether you've been Big Bean sat in Musakala, DC, yeah. you know, being a taxi, mm. it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, it, we're all there, we're all in the same sort of, you know, we come from the same milk, we're cut from the same cloth, yeah. and it, it's talk about it, yeah. don't, don't bottle it up. No. And one thing I want to try and do for each episode is, is get a, you know, just try and 
promote things that are out there for people. Yeah. So is there anything that you that you know come to mind with you? Um, is there anything that you know that's helped you along the way or? Yeah, I mean, um, so I any charities etc. Yeah, I left so 2017. I um, so I decided sort of my own. I'd done 12, 14, well, 13 years. I'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided that enough was enough. Myself and, and Kemp's um, pretty much pulled the pin at the same time, and um, I decided right enough was enough. So I, I got all my stock in place and was good to go, and um, started my resettlement. Um, and going through the process really for me was was quite, I mean, seamless. Um, I'd got all my sort of I was doing a troop sergeant's role. Uh, in the Light Dragoons, um, so I'd got all everything in place, ready to resettle, um, and the regiment were really sort of good with me. Um, I'd got a, a plan in place ready for getting out, and um, I knew that I wanted to go back into sort of engineering, my first sort of love before I joined the army. Um, so I started looking into stuff, and um, I approached a charity called Build a Force. Um, and they do sort of civil engineering, they do electrical, mechanical uh, engineering and construction. Um, and they're, they're a north-based, uh, north-west-based company, um, but they're, I think they're looking to sort of push out uh, nationwide now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they will give work placements to um, ex-forces uh, to sort of do look at lives, work placements mm-hmm. so dependent on what you want to do uh, they, they'll sort of give you that they also do training through uh, the British Legion um, and I, I went to one of their events um, and sort of looked at the engineering stuff at the back of it and was fortunate enough at the time that um, my employee uh, employer now um, so United Utilities um, were at a career fair that they'd suggested I go to um, and did some sort of research online and what have you. Um, and then I um, went into my current role, which is a maintenance team leader. So I look after a, a group of field service engineers, uh, or did do up until last Monday, I moved on to a new role, promoted. Um, but I did that as a sort of subsequence of seeing this charity build a force, and it was brilliant. And I'm still in sort of constant comms with them now. Um, I've got guys into work placements, uh, through United Utilities um, and United Utilities are a um, gold um, Armed Forces Covenant group mm-hmm. so they actively recruit um, ex-forces um, so I do career fairs with um, a group of ex-military there's probably 40 or 50 of us that are in this group within United Utilities so we go out and target careers of, uh, career fairs within the uh, the northwest so yeah I mean for charity that's an outlet I think Builder Force is brilliant and it, and it really is. It not only does the, uh, you know, skills, but it does the welfare and it does the mental side of stuff as well. It, it mm. touches all, all avenues. So it, it, it will also touch base with the British Legion. So it gets funding from the British Legion for training. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a great cause. And I think it's something that, uh, well, it's close to my heart because it, it sort of, it's pointed me in the right direction of, of for getting out. But, but then that's you with all that coming around is because you went and talked to them. Yeah. So yeah. with that, like I, I feel like I never reached out to anyone. I never reached out to any charities and I feel I should have. Yeah. And I feel I've 
missed opportunities. So would you recommend that, you know, if there's, there's help there, then for people to... Yeah, take it. Take, you know, look... It's cause it, it, it look at the opportunities what are in front of you. And mm. I think that's, that's one thing I would say is to anybody that's, you know, leaving or, you know, a lot of you are struggling once they've left the army and, and they've left the forces is, you know, see, go and, go and ask the questions. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. You know, be active in, in going out there looking for stuff. I mean, if you don't use the charities, they'll they'll fizzle away. Yes, yeah. that's, that's, and, and that's, that's the what thing. they want to do. It's... Yeah, and, and that's what they're there for. They're there to help. They're there to give you advice. They're there to give you support. Um, and if they if they can do, they will do. You know, and and Builder Force has been instrumental in, in sort of putting lads my way now to get them in work placement. I've been lucky enough that the position I'm in now. Um, as a management role I've managed to get lads onto work placements mm-hmm. and find them permanent work mm-hmm. uh, within New You and you know that's they've done that with two or three lads now um, and it's only through sort of them going through the charities if they didn't do that they wouldn't have been put my way yeah. you know and I wouldn't have then had the, the I, I, don't get me wrong it's it's effort on my part but I want to do it yeah. because I was in their position you know, yeah. sort of two and a half years ago when I was getting out. And I think if I can do that little bit, then that's fine. You know, to get two or three people into, into employment yeah. after leaving the army is brilliant. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a stable job. You know, it, it's it, great benefits. And it is. And, and that's the thing is, I think if you can make a change for just one person, brilliant. You've, you've done you've, you've done a job. Yeah. And I think that's what the same with what, we're, what you're trying to achieve yeah. here with this and yeah. I think that's the, the thing I mean is, I'm not asked if I get 100 listens but I don't know if the chance of trying to help one person yes yeah. is, is, is what I'm just trying to do yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that the, with Yogi at the funeral we went up to uh, to Newcastle to the funeral to, um, and he had a he had a good turnout there was there was you know more than enough up there to see, to see him off and to send him send him off and he got a good send off and um, his brother Michael um, who was ex-forces himself um, had said I want to use I want to use Carl's story I want to use Yogi's story and and put it out to people and if if Yogi's story stops one person from doing the same thing thing, then it it will have served a purpose Hmm. and I think that's the you know that's the thing is, if people need to go and get advice, need to go and get help, need to speak out, do it. Yeah. Don't, don't not, don't bottle it up and don't sit in, sit in the dark and, and yeah, it's just it's one of those things. If you don't ask, you do not get. Yeah. And I think there's, a, there's never, I don't think it should be stigmatised at all. No. You know, and it shouldn't, I went out to see a charity with, in Builder Force to ask for some advice, not so much help, but advice. advice. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's landed me what I've got now, Yeah. you know. So if people don't, you know, and they're in a dark place and need to speak to somebody, just ask. Just ask. Yeah. That's all you need. I think that was great to, to finish there. Um, is there anywhere, like social media platforms, anyone can, if they wanted to get in touch with you, can reach out? You. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I'm on um, Facebook. Uh, so I, I'm on there. So yeah. Chris, Chris Lee, I'm on there. And then um, sort of, my LinkedIn platform as well. So again, Chris Lee, 
Um, so I'm on there and I sort of, that, that's my sort of work platform for uh, recruitment mm-hmm. and um, sort of helping out with, I've done CV writing with some of the guys and stuff like that and helped out with that. If there's anything, anything, mm-hmm. if it's work, if it's, you know, need help with anything, yeah, just shout me up. I don't mind at all. And, uh, you know, I don't mind sitting down and, and chewing the fat, you know, at all. Nice. All right, well, thanks. Thanks very much. And um, yeah, cheers. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. And there it was, another episode of The Real Podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, please feel free to give me any feedback, leave me any comments, and just let me know how I can improve. This is still a learning process for me. This is only my third episode, so you know I've got a lot, long way to go. Um, but yeah, feel free to leave me a review, leave me a comment, and you know I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to get back to you. Also, if anyone knows anyone that wants to come on and share their experiences, it'd be much appreciated. You know, I've, I'm starting with the people I know and the people from my unit, um, but I want to try and broaden out and get different units on so they can share their experiences. So please, if anyone knows anyone that would like to come on, and I know it's a hard thing to do, but, you know, I think it'll be helping a lot of people who, who are struggling and also showing that it's okay to talk. Um, and if, please, just, you can get in touch with me by email at therealpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, lay low, move fast, and stay safe. And I'll see you next time.